Invite you now to take your Bibles and be open to Scriptures in the Gospel according to Luke. And we will uh, read Luke chapter 9, the first 27 verses. Luke chapter 9, verse 1 to 27, and the verses 23 to 26. Within that passage is the text for the preaching. Luke 9, verse 1. Then he, that is Jesus, called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, Take nothing for the journey, neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor money. They do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And whoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod, the tetrarch, heard of all that was done by him, and he was perplexed. Because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead, and by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the old prophets had risen again. Herod said, John, I have had it. But who is this of whom I hear such things? So he sought to see him. And the apostles, when they had returned, told him all that they had done. Then he took them and went aside privately to a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him, and he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. The day began to wear away. The twelve came and said to him, Send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And he said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled and twelve baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. And it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him and he asked them saying, who do the crowd say that I am? So they answered and said, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others say that one of the old prophets has risen again. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. And he strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised on the third day. And then beginning of our text for the preaching, then he said to them all, 
If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angel. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. So far, the word of God. And as I mentioned, verse 23, 24, 25, 26, in the text for the preaching. In response to the proclamation of the, of the word of God, you'll sing Psalm 73, verse 8. Psalm 73, stanza 8, sing of, a song of response. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, what are you going to say when somebody asked of you, who are you? Uh, well, I'm Bill. Or, I'm Jill. Okay, Bill, tell me a bit more about yourself. Well, I'm 35 years old, I live in Waterloo, and um, I'm married with two kids and I play hockey. What about you, Jill? I'm 25, I live in Ottawa, I'm engaged to get married, and I love traveling. Now, how about this one? I'm Bill, and I'm a child of God. I'm Jill, and I'm a follower of Jesus. Wouldn't that make you a bit uncomfortable? No, not in the church, because if you say that here, everybody thinks it's really cool to say that. Now, what about your co-workers, or your neighbors, or your fellow students in college or university? How will they respond when they hear that you follow Jesus? Not only did you do that, but that it is an important part of who you are. Would they be curious? Interested? Respectful? Or are they going to make fun of you? I think a lot depends on what they can see in your life. I mean, you can claim that you follow Jesus. You can sound excited about that. But what does it do in your life? How does it impact your attitude towards other people? So here's our challenge. What does it actually mean to be a child of God? What does it actually mean to follow Jesus Christ in your life? What's all involved? In the first part of the Gospel of Luke, we run into many followers of Jesus. There were thousands of them. Jesus was popular. Wherever he went, large crowds came following him. They wanted to be where he was because Jesus did amazing stuff. And in our text, Jesus is telling us, don't be mistaken. 
If you want to come and follow me, if you want to come and love me, you're most welcome. That's great. But just so that you know, it's not going to be easy. It comes with a price. And the price you pay is part of the package. If you don't want to pay the price for following Jesus, you will lose the profit of following Jesus. See, that's Jesus' terminology in the text, right? He talks about profit, loss, expense. So here's the question. Is the profit worth the price? Is following Jesus worth the trouble? The Bible says, yes, it is. So let's have a closer look. Here is our message. Following Jesus Christ is worth the trouble. Yeah? Follow Jesus Christ, it's worth the trouble. We first look at the price, and we look at the profit that comes with it, and finally we also have a look, a quick look at the payout. Follow Jesus Christ, it's worth the trouble, the price, the profit, the payout. Congregation, what Jesus is saying in our text does not sound very inviting, does it? He doesn't sound very seeker-friendly. He does not sell happiness. It's okay if you want to follow me, but realize that it will get you into all kinds of trouble. Is that a kind of message you want to spread in your community? Do you want to approach people around you with this message? It's more discouraging than anything else. Why does Jesus say these things? So it's good to take a step back and see what's going on in this passage. <clears throat> We're still in the time that Jesus is quite popular among the Jews, not with the Pharisees and other leaders, but the common man in the street is still pretty excited about Jesus. Now that will soon change. Verse 51 in chapter 9 is, just, is a turning point in Luke's gospel. From then on, many will get disappointed and more and more frustrated with Jesus. But for now, people are still coming from everywhere. They are impressed by what Jesus is teaching. They are impressed by his healings and by his miracles. Jesus is amazing. They just had the incredible experience we have read about. Five loaves of bread and a plate with seafood provided dinner for 5,000 men. Is there anything this man cannot do? And, and, and they're speculating about him, about who he is, about all this is going to lead to. With this man, we are heading for a great future. Oh, that's true, but we're not there yet. Because the way towards the great future goes via the cross of self-denial and self-sacrifice. That's true for Jesus. He says so in the first, just before the text, verse 23, verse 22. But it's also true for anyone who decides to follow Jesus. And again, there were thousands of them in those days. 
They saw how he healed the sick, how he raised others from the dead. He provided food. And they said to each other in Israel, let's follow him. Let's come after him. He will take care of our needs. He will fix our problems. And today millions of people say the same. The world in which we live, there are lots of people that say, let's come after Jesus. He helps us. He always comforts. He makes people happy. Jesus is going to fix our personal problems. Jesus is going to social ills in our society. Follow him and our world will be a better place. And guess what? Jesus does not deny that. It's true. It's, it, it's, it's true. He is indeed a faithful helper. And when you belong to Jesus, He does indeed fill your life with comfort and hope. Absolutely. In Him you will find joy and happiness. However, it does come with a price. And Jesus wants us to be aware of that. That's why he says to everyone who is eager to follow him, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and then follow me. If you really want to do this, if you want to make the commitment to show your love and dedication to me as your savior, your master, you need to realize what you get yourself into. To put it differently, you can only be a real follower of Jesus if you accept all the consequences. Now, in our text, Jesus mentions two of those consequences. You must deny yourself, and you must take up your cross every day. Now, those are two different things. They're connected, though, but not identical. But what these two things have in common they signal trouble. Denying yourself. You know, denying yourself is very hard. It's not just a matter of, 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 of giving up some of the things that you like, uh, sacrificing something to help somebody else. It's really nice if you do that. Much appreciated, but that's not what Jesus is talking about here. It goes much further. To deny yourself, you know what it is? To deny yourself is to accept that you do not judge what is good for you or bad for you. You do not determine where your life is going. You do not decide what you need to be happy and feel good about yourself. Someone else does that. The one you follow as your Lord, your Master, Jesus Christ. It's what Paul puts in Galatians 2 verse 20. I no longer live, he says, but Christ lives in me. Or what he says in Philippians 1 verse 21. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. That's pretty drastic. It may not sound so bad, right, when you read it, but, but when you start putting it into practice, you'll find out. We all make choices in our lives, 
And usually we think that we make the good choices. Sometimes we make mistakes and we look back and say, that was a stupid choice, shouldn't have done that. But most of the time, yeah. We make choices that make us happy. We make choices that will improve the quality of our life, of our relationships. Now, sometimes the choices we make are promoted by the secular postmodern society we live in, and we don't even notice that. But then when you check with the Word of God to see how He wants you to live, you'll find out that God says, I don't want you to do this. I want you to live in a different way. Deny yourself. Do not put your trust in people. Like politicians. Or scientists. Do not commit adultery. Do not leave your husband or your wife. Do not take revenge. But love your enemy. Do not depend on your wealth. Do not enter into a same-sex relationship. And if you follow Jesus as your Lord, you shouldn't want those things either. That's hard. That's hard if you feel that your marriage is beyond repair. That's hard if you have been abused. That's hard if you're struggling with same-sex attraction. That's hard if you think of what the future might hold. You know, denying yourself can be very painful and tough. It can hurt. But come after Jesus Christ and pray then, your will be done. Trust that He knows better what is good for you than you do that yourself. Trust that He will carry you and that He will comfort you. Then you will also learn to accept the other consequence of following Jesus. Take up your cross daily. Now, when we hear that, we, we often hear in the word cross a summary of all the problems and suffering that people deal with in this broken life. Pain and illness and loneliness. You know the expression, right? We all have our cross to bear. But those were not the things people in Jesus' days would connect with the word cross. For them, the word cross stood for brutal suffering and cruel death penalty executed by the Romans. The cross would kill you. Of course, no one would choose that voluntarily. The only one who ever did that was Jesus. He chose his brutal death on the cross to save us from sin and death. And now he says to us, if you want to follow me, be prepared to take up your own cross. Not to pay for your sins. That's been taken care of. But in Jesus' footsteps, you will not be able to avoid the cross of suffering for him. And sometimes the brutal death because of your faith in Jesus. Think of what Jesus says in John 15. I chose you out of the world, he says, therefore the world hates you. If they persecuted me, 
they will persecute you. Realize, though, that Jesus says to take up your cross. You have to do it yourself. The cross is not something that happens to you. The cross is your choice. It's your willingness to pay the price for coming after Jesus. That's voluntarily. I mean, you don't have to follow Jesus. No one twists your arm to follow Jesus. No one forces you against your will to come after Jesus. Following Jesus Christ requires you to make different choices than you would make otherwise. It requires you to break away from things and people in your life that may be dear to you, but that drag you away from Christ. Well, you might say that that, that's worth it, because if I follow Jesus, I will share in His grace and salvation. Following Jesus is joining Him towards a bright future. True enough. But it includes also joining Him on the way of suffering to be killed. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to take up your cross of suffering for Jesus' sake? Following Jesus can have consequences that you don't like. That's the price you pay. The question is, how high is the price you are willing to pay? Jesus uses the word cross. Are you willing to die for Jesus? Now, that may, may sound like a weird question, especially when you live in Canada. I mean, in some parts of the world, this cross of death is the grim reality for God's persecuted children. But it's true. Taking up your cross does not mean that everyone who comes after Jesus is going to be killed. It's not the case. However, in our free country... Taking up your cross can come in small things as well. When you share with others that you follow Jesus Christ, and that you do certain things or don't do certain things because He determines what you do with your life. He does. People may make fun of you. People may think that you're stupid or that you're weird. And when they see that you're serious about it, now some people may be intrigued by it, others may get annoyed by it. Co-workers may begin to avoid you. You may lose friends over it. You may lose family over it. When you refuse to share the values, they may accuse you of hatred. What do you expect? The way of self-denial? Painful suffering and death on the cross is first of all the way of Jesus himself. In John 13 and John 15, Jesus says, a servant is not greater than his master. So if you come after him and you stick with him, you know what you get yourself into. Is it worth the trouble? That depends on why you want to follow Jesus Christ. That depends on the profits that you expect. 
Now here's our problem. Lots of people don't mind following Jesus Christ. Just like those large crowds Luke is telling about. They came from all over. Why? Jesus was a great preacher, did incredible things. And so they all agree, come after Jesus was a great experience. Jesus makes you happy and takes care of all your needs. Wonderful. But now you find out that all this comes with a price to pay. The price of denying yourself and taking up your cross. And, you, and, and, and when you realize that, you're going to think of that, right? And, and you try to imagine how that is going to change your life. And, and you think, well, I can't do this. This is way too hard. I, I cannot just give up so many things that I like in my life, even if Jesus wants me to. There may be all kinds of things God expects me to do, but I don't want to lose my friends over it. I don't want to be ridiculed or even risk my life, perhaps, for following Christ. I mean, I appreciate a lot about Jesus Christ, but I won't let him or anyone else decide what I can do with my life or cannot do with my life and where my life is going. My brother and my sister, if that's your dilemma, then Jesus warns you. That's in verse 24. When you refuse to pay the price for following him, you are also giving up the profit of following him. You cannot have the one without the other. At first, verse 24, if you read it, it sounds a bit puzzling. Right? Whoever saves his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will save it. What's Jesus talking about? Saving your life is losing your life. Losing your life is saving your life. It's not too complicated. He's playing a bit with the word life. Your life, when you think of that, you think, well, what, is, what is my life all about? Well, your life is the daily reality what you have here in this world. It's your health, and your job, and your relationship, your family, the friendship, all the exciting and interesting things you like doing, the fun you have, it's your reputation, your influence, the fact that people appreciate you, that they value your opinion, perhaps your possessions are part of that. So that's, that's your life, right? But your life is also your eternal life. Your life as it is saved by Jesus Christ. Your life as a child of God, renewed by the Holy Spirit, with a new purpose and a new destination. Of course, many of the things that you enjoy in your daily life here are not bad. You may enjoy them. But if you want to keep and save the comfortable life you have in this world by keeping Jesus out of your daily activities, if you choose not to deny yourself and not to take up your cross because it's too much trouble, you will be disappointed. Now, not necessarily right away. Perhaps you will be pretty successful in saving your good life on earth. You may be able to enjoy for a long time good health and wealth 
and the good things life has to offer. So why would you follow Jesus anyway? Well, one day it will be over. When you come at the end and you cross the finish line without Jesus Christ, you will find out it's all gone. There's nothing left worth saving. Nothing. If you don't want to give up anything for following Jesus, you will lose everything. That's how serious it is. If you're unwilling to pay the price for following Jesus Christ, you will miss out on the profit of following Jesus Christ, the only Savior. Whatever you are proud of, whatever you're happy with in this life, whatever you want to pursue and hold on to, without following Jesus Christ, you will lose it. All of it. You can try to safeguard your good life without following the only one who can save your life. And in the end, it will cause your own destruction. A good life without God may seem profitable, but it will turn out to be a disastrous loss. But if you are willing to lose your life for my sake, says Jesus, then you will save it. Are you willing to give up possessions and friendships and relationships and influence and position, whatever it is, if those things keep you from following Christ? Are you willing to face ridicule, persecution, perhaps even death, because you don't want to let go of Jesus as the one who saves you and controls your life? If so, you seem to miss out on the many good things you could enjoy. People think that's foolish. People feel sorry for you. There's so much to enjoy in this world. But don't be mistaken. You are saving your life. Through Jesus, you will save it forever. Here is your marvelous prophet, my brother, my sister. Eternal life, eternal joy, never-ending peace. No more harm, no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering and death. Immeasurable glory in a renewed world. This is as countercultural today as you can think of it. Everyone has his own idea as to what living the real life is all about. But for many following, Jesus Christ is not part of that. On the contrary. You follow Jesus. You, you let him determine what you do and where you're going with your life. Why in the world would you do that? So many restrictions and no fun. Christians are killjoys. Don't be fooled. What people call a real life, get a real life man, without following Jesus is a lost life. You will only be able to enjoy real life, and that forever, because of what he did for you when he carried the burden of your sins at Golgotha. This is the most profitable thing you can do. Follow your Savior. Come after Christ and stay close to Him. It's worth the trouble. Everything you seem to lose on your way after Him, trust that His grace, 
will turn the price you pay into profit, real profit, lasting profit, spiritual profit. In verse 25, Jesus illustrates how foolish it is to refuse paying the price for following him. Imagine for a moment, he says in verse 25, imagine for a moment that you would be so successful in your life here on earth that you have literally everything you want. That sounds pretty amazing, right? Everything you can think of. All the happiness and power in the world. Whatever the world has to offer, it's all yours to enjoy. Would you like that? Does that sound good? All right, here's the question. What good is that to you, says Jesus? What good? What does it profit you? Does it benefit you? Now, you may think that's a weird question. Of course it does. If I would have everything I wanted to have, it would make my life so tremendously enjoyable. Sure. Sure. Would it get you any lasting profit? I mean, no matter how rich or how famous or powerful you are, everybody knows, everybody knows that. You don't even need to be a Christian for that, of course. Everybody knows that. And all the money and the power in the whole world are not going, are not going to be enough to escape death. Now, that's one thing, but the fact that that's the case is not the end of the story. Why is that? It's because all this is not enough to remove your sin, to make you right before God. So even when you would gain the whole world, eventually you will meet your maker. And in the end, there will only be God's judgment. Without following Christ, nothing can prevent you from being personally bankrupt before the holy God. And then you lose and destroy yourself, says Jesus. You will be eternally dead. Here's the question. Here's the question. The immense profit of gaining the whole world does that compensate for the terrible loss of missing eternal life? It's interesting that Jesus puts that at the end of verse 25 as a question. He does not give the answer. You look at your own life and you give your answer. Coming after Jesus Christ, is that worth the trouble? But you know the fact that question 25 is sort of an, an, an uh, uh, first 25 is a, is, ends with a question uh, does not mean that we do not know what Jesus is telling us. We do know. The profit outweighs the cost. Big time. Without your Savior, you have no future. When payday comes, it is Jesus Christ himself who has control of the payout of the profit. You know what our problem is when it comes to following Christ? I mean, whether you're here or you're listening at home, I hope we all believe that following Jesus is worth the trouble of denying yourself and, and taking up your cross. Right? We all agree on that. So far, so good. 
But now we have to turn this into practical choices and decisions in our everyday life. And we have to do that in such a way that people will see that and will notice that. That is Jesus' emphasis at the very end of our text. Now, 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 that's different. It really is. When push comes to shove, we knowing all this, and yet we can easily be inclined to avoid the consequences of following Christ. Think of what we started with in the introduction. Whatever you want to tell others about yourself, and somebody says, who are you? Tell me a bit about yourself. You know what? When it happens, you only have a split second to decide if following Jesus is going to be part of that. Because if I, the person who asks you the question is not going to wait 15 minutes before you come up with an answer. So that you can think, shall I say, put, put Jesus in there, yes or no? Hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe not. No, no, you only have a split second to make that decision. When put on the spot, we can get uncomfortable. As if we are ashamed of Jesus and his words. Why is that? Now, we all know Christians who make no bones about it. We have it on the sleeve that they love Jesus. And I'm sure some of you here are the same. I'm happy to share with others that Jesus determines your life. And yet, why is it sometimes so hard to be right away open about it? Perhaps we are afraid of what people are going to say. You think of your reputation, your position in the world. We all like to be respected and appreciated. And so you may want to keep low key. Because for many folks, following and suffering a cruci following a crucified Christ is only for the dumb and for the weak and for gullible people. We all know the story of Peter, who denied that he knew Jesus. It's a disturbing moment. And we think, how could Peter ever do that? What about us? What if, what if someone comes up to you and asks you the plain question? Do you belong to Jesus? And I'm not talking about your minister or the elder on the home visit or a fellow believer. No, no. Imagine that your job is on the line. What if the answer might kill a profitable business deal? Or it may end a relationship that is dear to you. Or you're with a bunch of guys at a party and you know that if you say, yes, I belong to Jesus, they will burst out laughing and think it's the biggest joke in the world. Avoiding an open and straightforward answer about your relationship with Jesus Christ will often make your life a lot easier in this world. But Jesus says, realize what you're doing. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory, the glory of the Father, of the holy angels. If you try to hide that you belong to Jesus, 
if you avoid sharing it or talking about him, especially in uncomfortable circumstances, how do you think you make Jesus feel? He suffered, and he died to pay for your sins, to save you from death, to save you from destruction. He gives you new life. That is how much he loves you. And, and, and now you're going to treat him as someone to be ashamed of? Think of it. Think of it. If this is how you treat your Savior, how do you expect him to treat you? Oh, sure. On the final day of history, Jesus Christ will appear as our glorious King. Then everyone will see him. And everyone will acknowledge that you did not have any reason to be ashamed of him. Well, then it'll be too late. Then before the holy God and all the holy angels, the glorified Son of Man will be ashamed of those who were ashamed of him as the suffering and crucified Son of Man. And then the profit of following Jesus the blessing of eternal life will not be paid out. Without Jesus Christ, you and I have nothing going for us and the books will be open. And therefore, my brother, my sister, do not be ashamed of your suffering Savior. Do not be ashamed of your crucified Savior. Do not be embarrassed that people know you as his follower. No matter what they think and say about him or about you, come after Jesus Christ openly. Don't be ashamed. Stay close to him every step on the way. There may be days that you think that the, prayer, the price is too high. But one day you will see the incredible prophet as a gift of God's grace. Amen.